0: This time, young ones will be dismissed for junior church. Unless you want to stay down, it's entirely up to you. I'll give you a Bible. (laughs) And the rest of us will turn to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. If you guys still have your bulletins, just open to the front page of the bulletin. I was just thinking of an in, intro for this. And I was trying to think of a, a verse that's really been on my heart for the last little bit. You'll notice in that circle in the bulletin, I got 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Right? And kind of with that title um, for this morning, just that, Do you, do you have religion or do you have Reverence for Christ. Right, and here you have Paul there in verse 2, it says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Alright, and last week and in this week, I mean it's really heavy on my heart, just to continue to present who Christ is. Christ and Him Crucified. He is the anointed chosen. He is the, the Messiah king. He is the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords. So, this morning, as we approach Isaiah 52, we're going to do a little bit more reading. Okay, and I'm just going to keep showing you Christ. I'm going to keep pointing to this board, and hopefully, there things find their place. But I'm showing you Christ. Right, and Isaiah is seeing the same thing in 710 BC. Right, of, of the coming Son of Man, the, the, the return of the King, the judgment that's coming. But then he sees his King on the cross. Right, he sees his King marred beyond any other man, right, and he's processing that. And quite often we, we stop at the crucifixion of Jesus, especially in Isaiah 53, right, uh, and, and we stop there and we don't realize that God's resurrection of his Son is there. And the, the, the future program, I mean, the, everything points to the cross, but that's not where it stops, is it? The gospel continues. And that's the thing there with the timeline. It helps us understand that. So I better pray before I get all wound up. And uh, I just, I just want to read and keep presenting Christ. And that would be just what the notes are here um, for us. So dearly, Father, Lord, as we read Scripture this morning, Lord, I thank you that we can understand it. I thank you that we holding your word in our hands we have the whole story lord i thank you we're not in a place where isaiah was where he he's looking out in the future and he's wondering what does this mean or we know what he saw we know what it meant and we see that in, in your son coming we see him living that sinless life we see we see your people israel nailing him to a cross but it was all part of your plan we see his blood as that sacrifice paying the price for sin, and we see that being offered to all men who believe that he is the Christ, that he is the, the son of God who died in our place. So I pray as we, we read this morning and, and we work through what you've laid on my heart from your word, I pray that we would really take time to reflect. Do we, do we just follow follow this 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 church thing as a as a something that we do or do we recognize who you are do our knees bend in submission to you or are you like a a side job for us lord do we truly seek to obey you in our lives i pray that these things would be clear so i just pray that you would be over us you would lead in this study and i pray these things in your name so just beginning in Isaiah chapter 52 and, and for sake of time, we'll just step into it in verse verse 7, okay? And we'll recognize that just as we read earlier in our service about the second coming of Christ, the second coming of the king, I mean, he dies, he's seen by, by witnesses, right? They, they watch him ascend, uh, we remember Pentecost, okay, where the Holy Spirit comes, and then we have the church age. Us as born-again believers, those who have placed their faith in Christ, are anticipating what next? The rapture. Right, our king is going to rapture, All right, and then we're into seven years of wrath and tribulation before his second coming. And Isaiah chapter 52 finds itself in that context. Okay? In the midst of this this wrath in the midst of this this tribulation guess what there are people that are preaching the good news of christ okay in the midst of this wrath and, and you'll see this as we read, read down through now study revelation would let us know that there were one hundred forty four thousand preserved to preach during this time of wrath okay so it's no wonder Isaiah, as he's looking out, verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news. Now, we sing songs about that. But as Isaiah is looking there, it's through a lens of judgment, right, of wrath. Now, I don't, I don't want to portray God as this heavy-handed and he's, he's looking. He's just looking for a reason to, what's the word I throw around the house, smote? Smote people? smite smote smoted you know like it's not like look at the smoke people all right all right but god is just and by this by this point he has done everything that he can for humanity right for them to come to him he sent his son they killed him right he, he leaves us he sent his spirit he has the church that we as we preach and we teach and we live and we present christ people have that opportunity of turning to him His love, His grace, and mercy. But you know what? Many, and I think I could probably say most, do not. They do not believe. They reject that free gift that He offers. So when He comes, the second coming, and in that great tribulation there, the wrath and the death and the judgment and the fire that we read in the Scriptures, guess what? It's on people who deserve it because they've rejected God's grace. So even in the midst of this, you have people bearing the good news, the gospel, you have people in this wrath pointing towards Christ, right? And I mean, that is, that is again more grace. God doesn't have to do that. He desires all men to be saved. So he sends these these evangelists in through who proclaims peace, right? And that's peace with God positionally. When we place our faith in Christ, we're positionally at peace. But it's also pointing towards the kingdom. Peace, harmony, blessings, right? None of the things that we see today, I mean, if you're, if you're happy and at peace today, you, you found a pretty nice rock. <laughs> Can I join you? Right? I mean, it, it, it's, things are not peaceful. right? Things are always, I mean, you walk into a grocery store now and you have people panic in their eyes still. You know, you have broken home situations. You've got addictions in families. I mean, the list goes on and on. But in the midst of this judgment, they're proclaiming peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation. In the midst of judgment, they're proclaiming deliverance from what's being taking place. Who says to Zion, right, God's holy mountain, Jerusalem, your God reigns so in the midst of judgment again isaiah is is catching a glimpse of the return of christ the king with his saints i mean it's a serious serious time of trembling verse 8 says your watchmen shall lift up their voices with their voices they shall sing together for they shall see eye to eye when the lord brings back zion an interesting study, and, I, and we mentioned it last week, Zechariah 14, how God gives Jerusalem over to the nations. Houses are being rifled, women are being raped. I mean, God just says, you want to reject me? And, and, the, and the nations turn on Jerusalem. But you know what? There was always hope. There's always, there's always God's plan here, right? And the watchmen, those that know, they know what's coming, Right? They know that God's going to restore things. Verse 9 says, Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. Don't miss why Jerusalem is a waste place. They reject it. Right? This is what happens to countries when they reject God. This is what happens to communities. I mean, we're, we're still pretty fortunate here in Coldstream, there's inner city neighborhoods, right? There, there's communities. I, I remember my, my hometown there in, back in Ontario when, when the darkness crept in, we'll say the city, right? And all the godlessness and the drugs crept into our quiet country country village. And you know what happened? Destruction, right? And, and, and we don't need to go in that too much. But it's because of rejection that Jerusalem is in waste, For the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. And as you read Zechariah 14, Christ comes with His army and He fights for Jerusalem. Right, And He goes against the nations and He redeems Jerusalem even, even after they rejected Him. Verse 10 says, The Lord has made bare His holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see... The salvation, the deliverance of our God. Now you quiet yourself. And I don't imagine we all spend a whole lot of time reading in the Old Testament. But that salvation, that deliverance, is when we see Christ, our King, right, coming. And and the big word would be inaugurating His kingdom, His thousand-year kingdom. That's that Jewish hope all through the Old Testament that the Messiah King would come, the Messiah, the Messianic kingdom would come in that time of blessing and peace and harmony, right? And, and, and Isaiah is going to get a glimpse of that, but then he's going to recognize here that something has to happen first before Christ takes his throne. Something's going to happen to happen first before that great tribulation and wrath is poured out there, and that is that the king is going to die for his people. The king is going to die and justify many. Read with me verse 11, all right? And just think of the words that we read in Luke chapter 21. What's it say? Depart, depart. Isaiah saw the same thing that Jesus is teaching from. When he comes back, this is your Revelation 19, and we'll read it. When he comes back, it's not going to be with warm and fuzzies. When he comes back, it's going to be in wrath and judgment. And with my Acts class, I say with blood and death and more blood. right? Because they rejected the king. They rejected the lamb who was slain. They rejected what God provided. And he says, depart, depart. Go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her, of Jerusalem. Be clean you who bear vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out with haste nor by flight, for the Lord will go before you. We understand from other studies there that they're fleeing to Petra probably. They're they're, they're fleeing ahead of of the the coming, the return of the king when, when all those signs are being unfolded. And the God of Israel will be your rear guard. My Bible has a star beside verse 13 letting me know that the next part is speaking to Christ, the King. Okay, it's a messianic. It says, behold, my servant shall deal prudently or wisely. Now before we read any further, okay, I really want us to grasp who Jesus Christ is here. Because the next part, Isaiah, is seeing my servant, God's servant, God's King. All right, and this is his return. We're going to see that they begin realizing who it is and, and what they had done. But in order to grasp that, we need to read in Revelation 19. So turn with me, and I think with your notes there, I got it down there. Um, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 to 21. And this takes, takes us from. <laughs> Please don't misunderstand me here. Merely the cross. Okay? This takes our picture of Jesus and expands it. And for even, for me as a young man, I mean, I remember growing up singing the songs I know, and my answer was always Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, or Bible. And I used to get, you know, one of them was right. But when we expand our our understanding of who the Christ is, and who the Christ is that was crucified, the intended outcome is that our knees will bend. We'll understand that we'll all stand before Christ one day, the king, and answer. And unfortunately, many will reject. And, and that's what this second coming is, and this is what Isaiah is seeing. The king is returning, and people who have rejected are just like, ugh. And verse 11 says, Now I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse, okay? And this passage is coming in the second coming of the king, second coming of Jesus. It says, now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. In righteousness he judges and makes war. This is your Jesus. This is your Christ. His eyes were like a flame of fire, And his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. I wish that illustration up on the screen was a little bit. They have his robe painted red and the imagery that's there. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself, this is Jesus, that grew up as a boy, right? Served as a man sinless and went to die on the cross. God raised him from the dead. He ascended to the Father and this is him returning. He himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe, on his thigh, a name written to say, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the same baby Jesus that was born in the manger. This is the same Jesus that grew up and and, and <laughs> teaching in the temple there and his parents were looking for him. This is the same Jesus that that called out and, and for three and a half years you know, offered the kingdom to Israel and all who would hear. This is the same king they nailed to the cross, right? And, and this, is, this is king of kings, lord of lords. This is who Isaiah is seeing in Isaiah 53. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all, the birds that fly in the midst of the heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. These are all that rejected, and God comes. Jesus comes in wrath and deals with them. And that's kind of, we're back to that, is Jesus a religion for you? Or is there a reverence when we understand who he is And I saw the beast and the kings of earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him. Who's the him? Jesus. King Jesus, the Messiah King. Who sat on a horse against his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning... With brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Let's come back to Isaiah chapter fifty-two. I hope it's not just me that finds it sobering that Isaiah is seeing the return of the king and that the judgment and the death and the rejection all taking place Jesus teaches on it we just read the apostle John presenting Christ as the king of kings and lord of lords and that I'll say that helps put me in a position i us say maybe even not so cocky as a Christian young boy that puts me in a position where I recognize that This can't be just a religion for me. There is a reverence that comes with recognizing what Christ did on the cross for me. Verse 13 says, Behold, my servant, the king, shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. This is him coming. This is people recognizing him. Right? As he's, he's descending Just as many were astonished at you, Jerusalem, so his, this is Jesus, this is his, visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. When when did they, they batter him? When did they bruise him? When did they break Jesus? Prior to him going to the cross. It wasn't just Jesus, this was their king. This was Israel saying, we don't want this one that you've sent God. Verse 15 says, so he, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Right, the idea at his second coming, Isaiah is seeing, the idea that comes with that as well is the start. He'll come upon them suddenly. Because right? no one knows the time where the Son of Man will come. Right, he'll come suddenly. Kings, shall shut their mouths at him, right? And that's that picture of the white horses, the the king coming with his saints. Kings shall shut their mouth at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. There's no denying at that point. All the world rulers, all the things that are going on, they will see Christ the king coming, and it will begin settling on them who he is. Chapter 53 opens up with a question. We recognize that these chapters weren't split up like that when Isaiah wrote. <laughs> but he says, who has believed our report? And you read that. I mean, it, it, Isaiah is presenting a judgment is coming. The king is going to, to, to return. I mean, run from the city. I mean, all these different judgments. God has always given them warnings, Right? But a warning isn't any good unless people are listening to it unless people are heeding it. Who has believed our report? I think in my notes said so who is actually listening to this warning. Right? Christ is coming with wrath. Who is actually listening to this warning? And that message is the same back in 710 BC as it is for today. I mean, we have a nice picture of of jesus we we got our students there they do a jesus but there's a seriousness to this is there not right the the rapture is going to happen and then the seven years is is going to be upon whoever's left right that is a, a a serious serious thing for us to consider who's actually listening to the warnings and to whom has the arm of the lord been revealed Verse 2 allows us just a glimpse into, again, back 710 B.C. They're recognizing their king is going to come. Be born. Grow up. There's other verses in 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 the book of Isaiah which talks about God grooming Jesus the king. Okay? About teaching him. Verse 2 says... For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Right? This is the king. This is King Jesus growing up before God, as a tender plant. right? That, that beautiful communion between Father and, and, and son, right? His humanity growing up, him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Isaiah sees he has no form or comeliness, no, no splendor. I mean, there's nothing really to write home about about his physical appearance. And when we see him, this is Jesus, this is the king, there is no beauty that we should desire him. The king is despised and rejected by men. I mean, not just by men, I mean by Israel. Right? His ministry was, was you, you'd think people would respond with all the signs and wonders, but, but it didn't matter what Jesus did, people still chose not to believe. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should despi- desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, from our king. And he was despised and we did not esteem There's another picture that grows out of of between verse 3 and 4. And that's something there that, that we lift up each Easter the death, burial, and resurrection of our Christ. And Isaiah is seeing this again 700 years, 740 years before this takes place, recognizing that God is going to send his king, he's going to grow up just like every other man. Okay, he's he's going to experience things. He's going to be tempted by things, all right? But he's going to be sinless. But then he's going to die. Mr. Hogan and I were talking after service there about, about when we emphasize the King. There's very much that picture of being the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world in this picture, right? And I mean, again, Old Testament, seven hundred years difference. They're saying. The same thing. Verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we have seen him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, right? Those, those sins that we continually trip up in, the, the things that we repeat in. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed Verse 6, all we are like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. And if you take the time to read through Mark chapter 14 and 15, you will read this narrative played out. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Does the story end there? No. Praise the Lord it doesn't. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 5. Part of me is considering not going here. But then the other part is it's missing from a lot of our understandings. Because we stop at the cross and we say, Thank you for paying for the sin. And we forget that our king rose from the dead. Our king right now is seated at the right hand of the Father. Our king right now has given us commands to live and obey, and we will stand before him one day. In Revelation chapter 5, it comes after seven letters to seven churches, right? where these churches but two, we'll give two the benefit of the doubt, have walked away from their first love. Right? They've turned their back on what Christ the king did for them on the cross. And their spiritual condition is in shambles. Right? I mean, it's just the things that they're entertaining, the things that they're, they're, they're allowing into their lives is just, just, just deplorable. I mean, Jesus has found, the king is found, knocking at the door to come into his own churches. They've missed the point. They've missed the point. And in Revelation chapter 5, again, we find ourselves, <laughs> King removes his church, and guess what? It's time for that judgment and wrath. It's time for that seven years of tribulation. And John sees the same thing that Isaiah sees, right in 7:10, the same thing that Jesus was warning about. Right? John sees it. And verse 1 says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? These seals are the judgments, the first judgments that are poured out. And you're going to see who it is that's pouring out these judgments. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I, the apostle John, wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals of judgment who is the line of the tribe of judah the root of david jesus this is king jesus the son of god seed of david jesus right huge and i looked and behold in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb who's the lamb christ the king the same one that isaiah sees the same one that was led to the slaughter. same one that didn't say anything. As though it had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Can you picture King, King Jesus, the Messiah King, taking the scroll, the seven seals of judgment? He takes it after being nailed to the cross, Right After being tortured in that horrible way, after being placed in the tomb, after being raised as God raised him from the dead, taking that scroll out, and he's going to open it on rejecting humanity. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls and full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You. Christ. this is jesus christ whom they crucified you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals these are seals of judgment for you were slain yes crucified you were slain the same thing that isaiah saw you were slain and have redeemed us bought us ransomed us bought to god by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to God, our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the numbers of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Isaiah, 710 B.C., sees a king, sees the return of the king, and then he sees the lamb, sees the Messiah king slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, such as in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him. Who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb. The King. The Lamb who was slain. To the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped Him who lives forever and ever. Again, connection. And all I'm trying to do, I mean, this is not a religion. This is a reverence that we're to have for the King, for the Lamb who died in my place. That king is the same king that's supposed to be <laughs> running this church, ruling over this church. He's to be priority in my life when I understand the bigger picture of who it is. This isn't a side job. This isn't something that I do on Sundays to keep my, my neighbors happy. Okay? This is about Christ being king over my life and I know what he did for me on the cross, and I, I believe it, and I commit myself fully to it. Why? Because all things point to the cross. But there's a program after the cross. Right? So let's go back to Isaiah 53, and we'll just finish it out. I had a young lad talk to me after class going i've never heard this before i've never read the bible as i've been in church all my life and i've never i've never seen this picture before we get so so condensed into one or two verses with three points in the poem we miss the big picture isaiah 53 just pick it up in verse 10 this would be something there as believers and as we evangelize and we share with those who, who, who don't know Christ as their Savior, don't understand Christ as King of their lives, even for some of our loved ones who, who do believe that Jesus died for them, but they are not living in submission to the King. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. What paid for sin? It was the very blood of Christ. God sent him, he he willingly went to the cross, he provides the only way to God himself, and to enter into this coming kingdom that God is is sending. He shall see his seed, okay? I mean, big thing there, he he dies on the cross, but he doesn't stay dead here, does he? Right, that he shall see his seed, resurrection. Resurrection. The king is killed, the lamb is slain, but he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Okay, Isaiah is getting this glimpse of his king, judgment, wrath. Then he sees his king dying on a cross, but then he sees him to life. And he's seeing the glimpse here of his messianic thousand-year reign of Christ, the kingdom of God's. Something that has to be part of our our biblical understanding, because it's not about this life. I keep saying, I mean, the Bible teaches if the rapture was to happen, right, let's say in an hour, how many years would I spend in heaven? Seven, right? And then I'm coming in, and and I'm going to be in the kingdom as Christ is setting up his kingdom on the earth. It has to be part of our understanding, It says there, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. As Jesus takes his throne, it's going to be mind-blowing what he begins to put in place. The king shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By the king's knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. Those who believe will be declared before God. Those who believe will find themselves in that relationship with God. For he shall bear their iniquities. And that's that Christ paid the price for all sin. But that sin isn't applied to my account until I what? Believe. When I place my faith in Christ, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. I believe you died with me. That price that he paid, that that blood is applied to my account account and I step into that relationship with God justified for he shall bear their iniquities verse 12 and this is what we'll close with therefore I will divide him again Isaiah, Isaiah didn't meet Jesus I'm trying to remember if there's a pre-incarnate instance I don't think there is Oh, no, sorry, Isaiah 6, where he sees him on the throne. That's horrible. Never mind. All right, so he did meet Jesus. Okay. But here he says there he's looking into the, the kingdom. And after he, the God's king has, is coming in wrath, he sees him dead, he sees him risen, he's glimpsing into that kingdom. He says, therefore, I will divide him. This is the, his servant, the king. I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, right? Those that are justified, those that do believe, those that are in relationship with the Father, and and, I mean, we could spend weeks studying this, but he poured out his soul unto death. This is the king again, the lamb. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. It's like Isaiah at the end of this this a glimpse into God's plan for man's place in his presence, he's seeing the king did this for us so that we could and can spend that thousand years and eternity in his presence. That whole eternal life of knowing God, right, and, and experiencing him. So why, why did we read through all this? And every part of me wants to go back and walk through that, but that'll be for another time, okay? But why? Isaiah 7.10 is, is grasping that hope okay, as he's glimpsing that, right? I mean, he's, he, he can't put it all together. I mean, he didn't have the whole canon of Scripture like we do, and we seek, and we learn, and we read, and we study, so we understand this. But he saw God's program. It wasn't a religion for him. He didn't, he didn't pause, you know, somewhere in here and, and I, okay, I'm going I'm to take a couple verses and that'll be good for, for the next week or two. You know, or the idea of, of, of just give me a word. You know, okay, you know, just a word. I'll be content with a word. Right, Isaiah is getting a glimpse of God's program. And you know what? I guarantee you Isaiah was in reverence, trembling before his king that he had not even met yet. When he thinks about his his savior dying on the cross and what they did to them, it was in reverence. This was not a religion to him. When he thinks of the kingdom that's coming, it was not a a religion. It's not like, oh, I'll deal with that when it comes. It was in reverence. And that should be the message of Easter. I guess it all points to the cross and what was done on the cross. And they buried him and, and he rose again on the third day and he ascended. And everything in Scripture points, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. We see that all through Scripture. But but it doesn't stop at the cross. Right? There's more. There's accountability for us as believers. We'll stand before the king. We'll stand before the judge. We'll answer for these things. Just wrote down here at the, the last part. I can do this in three minutes, I promise. Easter hope right from isaiah okay easter hope first i wrote down that god provided the way into his kingdom this isn't just about having a relationship i say just merely i'm not trying to disrespectfully say anything here but when you read your bibles you understand that the 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 story god's plan for your life (laughs) for us it starts when we place our faith in Christ, in Christ there at the cross, but then there's a whole program for us. There's a whole eternity that begins with the now and, and, and extends into the then. So our Easter hope, God provided a way into His kingdom by sending His Son, His King, right, who gave His life in my place. Right, as the Lamb, that perfect sacrifice, my king stepped in my place as the lamb. He was tortured. He was battered. They nailed him to a cross. He shed his blood and paid the price for my sin so I can step into that relationship and enter into his kingdom. The Easter hope consists of the... Sorry, I got ahead of myself. The shedding of his blood for my sin. He took my place in the grave. Right? He took my place. I mean, he, 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 that should have been me. The Easter hope is that I can become his subject, his son or daughter by faith. Something there that, that keeps being brought up is, is when I place my faith in Christ and I come in and I, 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 I say, Lord Jesus, help me live as your disciple. Help me live in obedience as your subject. He offers me all those spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He offers to help me. He offers to, to lead me. He offers to protect me, but it's it's through that obedience. I think we'll just close with this. He paid it all. We get that from Isaiah 53, don't we? He paid it all. We know the kingdom is coming. And you know what? All people will make a decision one way or another. Right? I mean, it's it's not... it's not negotiable, it's not optional. One way or another, people make a decision. It's either hearing the gospel now, recognizing that we're sinners, recognizing that, that Jesus is the king, he is the Christ, and he died, or it's waiting till the church is raptured and realizing that, you know what? All this stuff and gathering and teaching and outreach wasn't a load of hooey. Right? There was something behind it. And I think, you know, I had one young gentleman in this week just randomly going, I don't think I'm going to go with the rapture. I think I'm going to be left behind and see the judgment. He was listening to some YouTube. Right, there's that thought of being left behind. And people will grab Bibles and they will start reading their scriptures frantically because in that time of judgment, there's that, I don't seem to be terrified. Right, Jesus taught on that. There will be, there will be times of great fear. And if they make it that far, when they see Christ returning, right, the lamb who was slain, a decision will be made one way or another. So my intent, again, is this a religion or is this reverence? What's behind our evangelism? What's behind our conversations with family? There's a serious tone when we talk about Jesus, isn't there? And that's just from reading scripture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is, this is a big, sobering, sobering picture. Lord, when I think of how casual, Lord, I've been in my own life, or I think of my time away from you, my time of, of just disregard for who you are. Lord, I always believed in you. Lord, I knew what Easter was about. But Lord, it didn't seem to mean anything to me. And I pray that, Lord, just through reading Scripture, and I pray that, that my words this morning would, would fade out into the background, and Lord, we would be left with just that picture of who you are. Lord, it's not hard to understand. Lord, we have to surrender to you, though. Lord, I think we teach this to our our, our six to ten year olds, or our unchurched teens, understand that they will answer to you one day. And I pray that you would stir in our hearts to, to see, see the big picture that Isaiah puts on, on four pages of my Bible. That there would be a desire in our hearts to, to grapple with that. And Lord, that that would stir us in our evangelism. That would stir us in our conversations. That would stir us as we confront people that are not living in obedience to you, that they will answer and give account to you, their king. And Lord, I pray from the the deepest parts of my heart that you, you have been glorified this morning. Lord, I pray just as Paul in 1 Corinthians. Lord, I pray that people would understand that you are the anointed chosen one. You are the king. You are the one that God sent. And Lord, that you died in our place. I pray that that would settle in our hearts. And Lord, that we would leave here very reflective and just meditating on the things that we've read. And I pray these things in your name.